the beginning of the year is always a time uh, that is most important to us as a church. Uh, but it's important to you. The gates of hell can prevail against or cannot prevail against the church, but it can prevail against the crowd. And I just want to let you know that if this is not your church, uh, to find one. And there's so many great churches in this region, but be loyal to a church. These are crazy days, and, uh, and we, we need the body of Christ. We have to be connected, and uh, I think that's huge. Can I have an amen? And so if you attend here, and, uh, but you haven't decided this is your home, I understand those, those times. I understand. It takes a little bit of uh, time and comfort before you can choose a church. But for crying out loud, get plugged in somewhere uh, because uh, th- this is what the church is all about, to seek the Lord together. So New Life, what we do is we start out the year every year with prayer and fasting. I remember when we did this 18 years ago, uh, there were only a few churches from select denominations that would start the year out with prayer and fasting. But now it's extremely common. Uh, I travel around from time to time and speak at different churches and different denominational groups. And uh, man, everyone is trying to seek the Lord uh, with all of their heart in the beginning of a year. Uh, the, The word fasting is talked about more in the Bible than baptism. I mean, it's an important thing. And Jesus said, when you fast, do these things. And to be as clear as I can, Jesus spent time in prayer and fasting. And so it is an important thing to do. Uh, But what I want to do today, and I want to admit, uh, this is not going to be a typical sermon because I have way too much material, so I have to move through this. Uh, It wasn't quite enough to do it in two weeks. And uh, but uh, so I'm going to try to knock it out. And uh, but I really want you to pay attention. This is deep in my heart, although it's going to sound a little academic at times. Uh, But let's start in Isaiah chapter 43. And by the way, we're going to start our praise and worship night Uh, will happen tonight. Uh, We will have prayer each and every day uh, in the mornings and they'll give you the details of that. But on Tuesday night, everybody say Tuesday night. My pastor, Larry Stockstill. Uh, will be speaking to all of us. We're doing this at the Conway campus because it's the center of the state. And so you have to drive a little bit, but some people have to drive all the way from Fayetteville. And, uh, but I'm asking you to show up. Uh, I do want to apologize to you because uh, Pastor Larry is not your pastor. Uh, you've got me, and I'm, I, I'm telling you, he'd be a way better pastor, uh, but he is my pastor. So I'm blessed. You're not, but I'm blessed. Uh, so in, in one, one night... Uh, you can get a year's worth of truth from this man. There's something about him. I think it, it has a lot to do uh, with scriptures that I'm going to be reading to you even now. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18, forget the former things, that is things that have already happened, good and bad. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say new thing. Yeah. Question. Do you have more clarity for what the Lord has done in your life privy to this previously? Or do you have more clarity on what the Lord wants to do in your life now? Well, that's the reason why I love prayer and fasting, because it just becomes clear to us. When we moved here uh, to start our church, I remember seeing this verse in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. And what does the Lord require of you? Like if you, 
If you were able to sit down with the Lord, let's say during the three years Jesus was in ministry, if you would have been on, on earth and you could have sat down with the Lord, I'm convinced you would have said something like, what do you want me to do? What do you require of me? Well, you really wouldn't need to have that time uh, because he said it right here. To act justly, in fact, let's all say this out loud. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Very important because it's not saying uh, for us to be merciful, but to actually love it. And uh, during an election year, you're going to have to have a lot of that. The commercials alone are going to drive you crazy. But then social media, the way that people hate one another, you're going to have to love mercy. Can I have an amen? amen? But do you? Do you live that way? That doesn't mean that you just accept everything. We have to stand for truth that is unmovable. But you have to remember and actually love mercy. But then it goes on to say, and to walk humbly with your God. It doesn't say for your God. It says with your God. Let me just make a clear statement. Fasting does not move God. It moves you closer to God. So you can be with God. And I'm going to show you that in scripture. These are not my ideas. These are not my opinions. I'm not going to be giving you uh, my opinions uh, this day. So when we moved here, I remember seeing that verse and I was thinking, Lord, we I just help us pastor this church. And he showed me, man, if you live justly and if you live with integrity and you walk humbly and you love people and you do not compromise my name, uh, then I will be with you. And I think he's still asking for us to be that way. So would you bow your heads as I pray for this service? Lord, we ask you to help us walk around truth. Lord, we want to uh, act justly. We want to love your mercy and to walk humbly with you, O God. Lord, we can divide this whole room up into two categories. People who are loaded with pride and people who are loaded with humility. And Lord, during a time of fasting and prayer is when you can show us where we have gotten off track. Please do that because we want to walk with you. So help us as a church. Keep integrity, Lord. And I thank you at the beginning of a year, it's a time where we can reset who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think prayer and fasting is a chance where you can pray uh, like you always had faith. I think it's a time in the beginning of a year where you can love people and love God uh, and love others like you've never been hurt. I think it's a time where you can dream again like you have never failed. It's a time where you can stand firm, uh, almost like you have never fallen. And, and so that's why I love this process of prayer and fasting. Uh, but when I was thinking about it, uh, I was thinking about it initially uh, when Michelle and I clean out our garage, how we have to figure out what to keep and what to throw away and then what to refile. Uh, but it came to me in a little different way uh, in, in terms of, of a grip, like a grip holding on. Uh, there, there is something that's going on at the state fairs around the nation now. Maybe you've seen this. I've heard in, even in a few malls uh, that there's this game that you put in $10, and if you can do this, they'll give you $100 back. And that is to dead, dead hang from a bar for 90 seconds. 
But the problem is there's trickery in it because the bar actually turns. It is not like a typical dead hang. It, it turns so you end up holding it with less strength. And then you, you fail and you, you fall, you, you lose your 10 bucks and then the next person comes about. Uh, they say that only about one every two weeks can actually do it. I think it's very important that you understand the importance of a good grip. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen with your weak knees. So turn to somebody right now and say, get a grip. This is what I want to talk to you about. What do you need to, some of you enjoy that a lot. Like, like man, I've always wanted to tell her that, you know, whatever. And uh, what should you grip tighter, hold looser, and what should you let go of? Uh, you can see in sports the importance of an important grip, a grip. Uh, whether it's tennis, more of a finesse game, there's certainly power in that. Uh, whether it's baseball, grip. Uh, you can certainly see it in football. Ask Tom Brady if a grip is important. And, uh, but I'm going to teach you how to do it without cheating. And uh, so, so, okay. Uh, but a grip, when I think of a grip uh, at church, you know, uh, I grew up in a church where there was all about holding hands. Reach over and hold the hands the person beside you. I remember even as a kid, I just didn't like that. You notice I don't do that much to you. Raise your hand if you're thankful for that because you never know if their hand's sweaty. That's nasty. You know, I'm like, what is going on? And, uh, and the whole time I was just praying the rapture would come before I touched their hand. And, uh, and then the pastor would pray so long in that good old Baptist church. And uh, so I'd hold a hand and it was like he, he would fake us out like in the name of Jesus. And I thought he was going to say amen. In the name of Jesus, therefore, oh God, in the old Testament, like, come on, man. So we don't do that. Uh, but what I do want you to be is a person who has a good grip. You ever grab somebody's hand? It's like a good grip. And then you feel compelled to grip like you'll get into a war. You're talking commonly in the foyer, but you're thinking about that grip. Uh, I want you to be thinking about your grip in your relationship with God. Fasting shows us that. So what do we need to hold tightly to? These are the common things like your quiet time, like your worship time. I just want to look at the men for a second. Men, I get it. Typically speaking, for whatever reason, your gender struggles with worship it's like awkward for you do you know how many men cannot wait until the last song is done how many men typically will come my dad admitted this that for years he would come to church late uh, he would never connect with the lord in worship some of you don't know what to do do i do i sing do i stand still i remember when i first gave my heart to the lord i judged everybody i was next to somebody they singing too loud uh, what are the only hands in the air? They got a question or something? What's going on? And I, and I was like, gosh, I, I just... But the reason why it was a struggle for me is because I wasn't involved in it. And, uh, and I've learned as a man that I have an ego that gets in my way. And uh, it's hard for me to say that I'm sorry. It's hard for me to realize how, how much I need God. It's hard for me to analyze and put vision in the year with the Lord in the middle of it, in the, in the heartbeat of it. But worship, it just kind of resets me. And I need it in my life. I don't know where I would be without worship. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to, to, to hold tight to that in the time that you're in the Word. Michelle and I, we just went through this season of the holidays and candlelight, like a lot of rehearsals and a lot of candlelight services, and we were busy. 
So we didn't have, we weren't talking that much, you know. It's like trying to get through that. Then family was in. And then when it was finally done, we, we went to Florida for a few days to rest. And like, gosh, it was, we were exhausted. But since we hadn't been spending a lot of time together for a few weeks, it was like, it was like hey, how you doing? Good. How about you? How you doing? And, uh, but after a few days, yeah, 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 uh, we started talking in good relationship. Uh, this is what happens with your Lord. What, what kind of marriage would you have if you never communicated? Well, what kind of covenant relationship can you have with God if you're never with Him? Part of it is being quiet before the Lord. Some of it is worship time. Some of it is a lot of it is just opening the Word before Him and looking at it. Look, look at this. Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, everybody say remain. You know what that word means? It means to stay around. I was thinking about Michelle's dad, Mr. Mike. Uh, he worked, I thought it was from 9 to 5, but I think it was more like from 7 to 4 every day. And at like 4.15, he walked in the door every day. He was always there. Every time I went over, Michelle and I were dating, he was there. And, uh, and now he's retired. He's always home. If I ever call him, he's there. He answers the phone within two rings. He's just always there. He remains there. This is what this scripture is asking for you to do, to remain, to, to always be around. It says, in me, that's what it means in the Greek. And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Have you ever felt like you've withered away from your relationship with the Lord? Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. So I love fasting because it's kind of, kind of like a... A, a, a fibrillator, or like a shock, I should say, uh, to 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 a relationship back in the, with the Lord. And so, some of you, you've you've gotten off track. So every year, I always start the year off. I'm going to read the Word every day. I'm going to pray every day. Uh, I've now been a Christian since 1981 and a pastor for 31 years. And I want to tell you, do you know how many years I've made it every day uh, seeking the Lord? Zero. Not one year have I done that. But I'll tell you what I have done. I haven't quit. So the next day, I'll just try to seek the Lord that day. So I just want to encourage you to have big vision this year. But when you blow it, just get another grip. I was reading about this guy named Henry Dimson. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, but, but Henry, he was a pilot on a Cessna. And he had a co-pilot. And he heard some noise in the back of the plane. You can read about this because it actually happened in 1987, September the 4th. Go and look it up. But there was a noise in the back of the plane, so he, he gave uh, control to the co-pilot as he went back there to see what the noise was. Well, when he was back there, the door was ajar. That was the noise. And then somehow he tripped, hit that door, and fell out of the plane. So this guy flying the plane freaked out. And uh, mayday, mayday, or whatever they say. I know he was saying help at least. And uh, so he landed as quick as he could. And the emergency unit got out there. And when they showed up, this Dempsey guy was under the plane holding on to a bar with all of his might uh, for a long period of time. And they could not pry him off. He was in shock holding on. They, try, they kept working and working until they made his arms loosen up and they got him off the plane. Listen to me. 
That's the kind of grip I want you to have this year with your relationship with the Lord. But there's some things that you need to hold lightly. Uh, if you are a golfer, uh, there, there is a, the power game, uh, but the, you've heard the slogan maybe, if you play golf, it's, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. What that basically means is not about the power only, it's, it's also about the finesse. Well, I'll play golf with people and they'll be gripping the putter uh, with, with, with tension. And, uh, and I'll let them know, listen, you, you want to grab it lightly because you, you'll have no feel when you grab, like if you want to feel something, the texture of this, this table, you wouldn't put your hand on it and grip it real tight. To feel it, you, you would touch it lightly. Uh, this is what putting is all about. You need to have feel. That, that's, that's how you learn the purpose of it. Well, that's the reason with some of the things that we're holding on too tightly, we no longer can feel the purpose of it. Like finances, money, uh, like your schedule, like our stuff. You ever seen the show Hoarders? And uh, it's like they just hold on tightly. Some, some things we need to hold on uh, loosely. And uh, I, I find uh, that it's important for you to know that the, the Bible says that we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out of this world. Uh, if ever, raise your hand if you ever heard of Amazon. Jeff Bezos, he's the richest guy in the world. I think $131 billion now. But you're still giving him money regularly. How many have used, used Amazon in the last 30 days? Well, he's probably thankful for that. Okay, but when he dies, he brings nothing with him. Okay, I think it's very important. You need to know what to hold tightly to and what to have a little bit more of a loose grip with. Uh, this starts even when you're young. I remember in high school, I'd drive this kid all around, and then when he would drive me around, we could go just across campus. When we went to college, just drive across the campus. He would drive me across and ask me for gas money when he dropped me off. It's like, man, I'm tired of having you as a friend. I'll, I never ask you for gas money. You're just holding too tight to everything. Uh, sometimes these people grow up, and they're still asking for gas money. So I don't know how it's going with you, but you can see it in the Old Testament with the Israelites. When they were in the wilderness, God knew that we would tend to try to hold too tightly. So he said, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you manna every day. And uh, so we would give him manna that day. But the Bible says it was enough manna for that day. And, uh, but the problem is they didn't believe the next day they were going to have manna again. And this is what happens in our faith. We, we don't think we're going to have something tomorrow, so we hold tight. We're full of fear. We're not led by faith. So he would tell him, look, I don't want you to hoard this. I want you to have the manna for today, but don't take extra. And, uh, but they did it anyway. He said, if you do, it'll spoil. It'll, they'll have stench. It'll rot. But this is what they did. And uh, I find that we're still living the same way. And then certain things that we need to let go of, like regrets and mistakes. Raise your hand if you ever have any regrets in your life. But it doesn't do any good to live backwards, to, to live that way. And I just want to tell you the regrets and then the mistakes, the, 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 the situation, the places that we're in. Sometimes the Lord is saying, I need you to let that go. There, there are certain things that you're doing now, habits, to so let it go. Some of you young ladies in here, you have 10 of your best friends telling you not to date that boy anymore and you're still doing it. And I don't know why girls sometimes love the bad boys. 
Uh, but I do want to let you know that what we want more than anything else is God. So sometimes the Lord is saying to let something go, and the insecurity is saying, no, I want to hold on to it. So I think it's important you understand. I always tell people uh, who are in ministry, you can figure out how to relate this to your world. Uh, but I think it's important that we don't listen to people who think we're doing a great job. I mean, I don't mind encouragement. I listen to it. But it's certainly not my goal. And I also don't think it's a good idea to listen to people who are critical all the time. I need to listen to it to a measure, but that's not my goal. My goal and your goal is to please God. Can I have an amen? Because I don't care how hard you work, people are going to be disappointed in what you do. In the business place, at home, everywhere you are, you can do your best, but some people are going to be disappointed. When it's all said and done, what does your God say about it? Jesus knew this. He, on Palm Sunday, he was going into Jerusalem and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. A few days later, the same people were saying, crucify him. Very important that you listen to your God. What habits do you need to put down? Eating too much? Fasting. Maybe you have a problem with gambling. Maybe, maybe you curse too much. Maybe pornography has wormed its way into your home. I don't know. But I do know we, we pray and fast for a week. Uh, some churches do it longer than that. The first two years, we did it for 21 days. Uh, I'll never forget um, kind of leading into what fasting is all about. I'm going to teach you on that. Uh, but this young man came up to me, and he goes, I just want to let you know I fasted for 21 days. It was like a day before it ended. I fasted smoking pot for 21 days. Thank God we get to break it tomorrow. <laughs> Like, I don't know if fasting something that makes you hungry is actually a good idea. Uh, but I, I do want to let you know that fasting has a purpose. And fasting, what is it? It's restraining from food, uh, not products that make you want food. <laughs> food for what? For a spiritual purpose. Uh, let me give you a few points about it. I thought of these. Fasting is an invitation not a requirement. You don't have to do it. It's not sin if you don't. You will not go to hell if you do not. Uh, fasting is a choice. It is not a sin. But I want to say this, and this will be the most important. I could just say this and we could go home. But there are some things in your life that will not change without fasting. Uh, because it's spiritual. Like not everything is in the natural realm. You can have the best dream team around you at work. You can have the best CPA. You can have a legal firm that all they do is work for you. You can have strategies for investments that, with CPAs. And I just want to let you know that some things you can only have victory in in the spirit. The Bible even says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. I loved reading about Abraham Lincoln recently and uh, during the Civil War. And he just called the nation to spend time. I mean, can you imagine the chaos in our nation during those days? And uh, so he just called to the nation. He said, look, I want to ask you guys to do two things. Number one, to pray three times a day. And number two, to fast. And our nation was seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting. Uh, one time Jesus sent out the disciples. He goes, hey... I want you guys to go out there and, uh, and go two by two. And this is how you enter a home. This is what you do in a home. This is how you pray for people. This is how you talk to people. This is how you live. And they would come back every day and report. 
one day they came back and they reported and they said, Lord, we, we did exactly what you said, but it didn't work. And Jesus asked a few questions. And then he said, oh, yeah, when you're dealing with that, it only, it's only going to happen through prayer and fasting. So, so I just want you to know to consider, just to consider uh, prayer and fasting. Fasting is for the weak and not the strong. And this is huge for you to know because we're going to have prayer meetings this week. We're going to be seeking the Lord. And I think some of you are under the mindset, oh, that's for the people who really love God. I'm going to tell you the truth. Fasting is for the people who really don't love God. It's not for the strong. It's for the weak who want to get stronger. And I just plead with you to see it that way. Fasting is for those who need more of the presence of God. Fasting is for those who haven't prayed regularly and they want the Spirit of God to be in what they do. Fasting is for people where their kids have slipped away and they're in a dark place. Fasting is for people who are lonely and something's going on and you don't know what it is. Something's just not right. Fasting is for people who are in despair, people who are dealing with major things like depression. Uh, sometimes it's a chronic problem and, and it's a medical problem, but other times it's just like no reason, like what is going on with this? I think fasting is a time when you need a, a miracle in, in your marriage. When you have big questions, like big questions. Some of you are called to do big things, so you have big questions. Uh, that's what it's for. It's not for the strong, it's for the weak. Uh, fa fasting is for someone who's trying to make a decision. Do I keep dating this person or do I marry them or do I let go and stop dating them at all? Like these are big questions. Fasting is for those who are weak, not for those who are uh, arrogantly strong. Fasting is not for re a religious decision. It's not a religious decision, uh, but for your relationship with Christ. I love the way Jesus spoke uh, to the, the, these religious people. I, I like to read this as much as anything in the Bible, the way that he would get sassy uh, with these religious people. And he said, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, uh, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I'll tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will get. Speaking to the Pharisees. But when you fast, comb your hair. Wash your face. What he's trying to say is to look good. Don't look somp. Don't look like you're miserable. Uh, there, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father. And that's what counts. Uh, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. I was thinking about this when I was reading this this week. It's the only time that I can think of in scripture where the Lord is asking for us to fake it. Because when you're fasting, like if you choose, we, we do simple fast here. Most of our people, it's like a Daniel fast or excusing dessert or a meal a day or maybe two meals a day. I'll give you those details. But when you do any of that, after a few days, like where's the, where's the sugar? Okay. Uh, it's in that time that you're, gonna, you're just going to have a tendency to want to tell people about it. I'm miserable. I haven't had sugar since Monday. And, uh, and you, you know, you just go through these things. You guys have tried it in a form of a diet. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, I went on a 21-day extended fast, and, um, and it was a serious fast. And I remember wanting to tell everybody, it's been over 15, 20 years, and I'm telling you about it right now. <laughs> so this is, this is what Jesus was saying, just shut up. Don't, don't walk around that way. Just like make a decision and do it. 
Also, fasting is not a diet. Even Hollywood right now is doing this intermittent fasting, uh, intermittent fasting where they, they just like 16 hours a day, no food and, and, and different things. I haven't really studied exactly what they do. Fasting is not a diet. Uh, there are dividends to fasting. Uh, I will admit that. Awesome byproduct. Lose a little bit of weight. I can eat off the fat of the land for a while after the holidays. Uh, but that's not the motivation. Also, fasting is not a casual approach to God. And this is, this is a huge part for me because look around this room right now. Just look all around. Look behind you. Look down your row. Look how casual most of the people are dressed here. Every now and then we'll have somebody with a nice suit on, and I admire that. I love churches that the people dress nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we, we tend to dress casual. I've never made that announcement. I've never made it a mandate. We don't teach that in any class. Uh, but for some reason, that's the way it ends up being here. But my biggest concern about that is that you would falsely assume that that means we're casual in our faith. We're not casual in our faith. We're serious about our relationship with Christ. We have to grow. These are crazy days that we live in. So please make no mistake about it. Maybe the atmosphere here is casual. Maybe even the sermons are a casual conversation. But we are serious about growing in God. You can see it in Joel 1.14. Declare a holy fast. Nothing casual about that. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders. And all live in the land. To come to the house of the Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. That's what I'm asking you guys to do this week. To show up and pray and fast with us. Also, fasting is for a breakthrough. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. Some of you need a word from God. Uh, the Israelites, they fasted before they had miraculous victory. They constantly forgot about it, but before it happened, they were fasting. Daniel fasted before he received guidance. Jesus fasted before he was attempted. Paul, before they would start new churches, he would spend time in prayer and fasting. So how do you do it? And uh, just everybody right now, just kind of put down your phones or notes, and I'm just going to give you a couple little things here. First of all, set your objective. Uh, I will do this with my family soon. We are going to be talking. The fasting is starting uh, th this very night, and uh, we'll go through and to take communion on, on Sunday. Uh, but I, I just want to let you know uh, that to set your objective, like what do you want from the Lord? What do you need to know? Like is it for your marriage? Is it for your personal growth? Is it something to do with the way that you're, you think? Uh, something to do with your physical health? Uh, what, what do you want from the Lord? Uh, I will ask everyone in my family. Everyone in my family has participated in, in our prayer and fasting since they were little kids. There, you love your children. There's nothing you can do better than to teach them about prayer and fasting. When my kids were little, it was just about no sweets for that week. And, uh, and as they've grown up, they've made their own decisions on what it is. But we brought them to prayer. It was hard. 6 a.m. in the morning. But man, they fell in love with God. My kids are all serving the Lord today, and I think it has a lot to do, not with me raising them, I think it has a lot to do with them finding God. So finding places for them to be around the things of God. And then to write this down, at least in your private journal or somewhere on your phone, but just write it down. Habakkuk says to write it down and make it plain so you can see. And then there's different kinds of fasting that most of our people do. Uh, you can study this on your own, but the number one uh, fast that our people choose is a Daniel fast. 
This is only with fruits and vegetables, nuts and herbs. And when I say herbs, I don't mean like the herb I was talking about earlier. Uh, some choose a liquid fast, and uh, it's no food, only juices and shakes. Uh, but I just want to know, can you get a burrito in a blender? And uh, just, just asking for a friend. Uh, a a limit, limited amount of meals uh, per day. Uh, maybe you just do one meal a day. Uh, maybe it's two meals a day. And, uh, but you just figure out, you know, what, what am I going to do? A lot of people choose more of a Jewish type fast, eating one meal a day uh, in the evening. And uh, you, you make your own decision. Uh, but I encourage you to prepare it yourself and to prepare your home. I've been talking to you about fasting since November. And I'm just bringing it up just to get you to think about this. If you're late to the game, you're still good because we haven't started yet. Uh, but prepare your home. Like for me, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I got to toss them out for a week because I don't know if I can walk by them. I remember in serious fast time, it's not uncommon for me to pull on the side of the road and stare at a billboard with food. I just love to eat. I love it, man. Thank God I'm no longer in Louisiana where there's boudin and crawfish pie. I mean, but, but I still have a craving for food. But this week, I'm going to want to run to Popeye's, and I'm going to want to do it. But what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to run to the Lord. And listen, I don't challenge you in a strong way much, but I'm asking all of you that can to come to praise and worship tonight or Tuesday night with my pastor and at least one morning, Monday would be the best, where you bring your family and let's seek God together. I'm extremely concerned for our nation and how wicked we have become as a nation, not you. And I think that the culture, the world, would love to dictate what we do next. And I just want the Holy Spirit to be the one that guides us. I've often said the problem with the church is not the sin of the world, but the problem with the world is the sin of the church. And uh, what we need to do is just get on our face before God. And uh, so I think we need you. So I'm asking you, please, even if you don't ever do this kind of stuff, just to be involved. Meet with your family and try to figure out. And uh, hopefully I'll see you here tonight. Let's worship God together. Bow your heads, no one looking around.